Michigan at the 41. What a hit! Ball's free! On the ground! South Carolina deserves to have it! Clowney just says, I'll take care of business right here. I'll come off the ball and rock you and get it right back for our offense. 22nd and 10 for Fields. Fields to throw it. Pump fake. Sacks. Fires. Touchdown, Garrett Wilson. Now Burrow going to launch downfield for Chase. Who's got it? Touchdown, LSU! Snaps with the This is Menace to Picks. Hey, welcome to the next episode of the Menace to Picks podcast. Absolutely loaded on, on today's episode. We got a lot going on. The World Series finishing off this week. We got college football in full effect, NFL in full effect, college basketball right around the corner, Champions League soccer. This episode will focus on the football, but right now, just in sports in November, there is so much going on. So we'll start out with uh, college football, hit on NFL, and then, of course, we are going to get to the Breeders' Cup. A lot of people want to talk about the horse racing. So as we start with our West Coast capper, later on in the show, we'll have our lead horse racing handicapper, the coach, as well as the world-famous Caitlin Free, the queen in the sport of kings. Absolutely a pleasure to have her on, um, a horse racing royalty. Caitlin Free going to break down the Breeders' Cup for us, along with the coach. So we'll start out here talking uh, college football. We got our West Coast capper. How are we feeling out on the West Coast? How's the weather in Arizona in the desert? November 2nd, 2021, it's 85 degrees in the desert. <laughs> it's, starting to cool. it's, <laughs> it's starting to cool off in the Midwest, and it's football weather. It's Big Ten weather. The Buckeyes got the win over Penn State. Uh, we played them uh, to cover. We played them to, to cover in the first half, and – um on on the show uh not on patreon but they didn't cover anything they didn't cover in the first quarter they didn't cover first half didn't cover second half or full game penn state a little bit of a team that that has been able to perform uh to the best of their ability against ohio state the buckeyes still get it done though and are in the driver's seat in the big 10 east looked like a bona fide favorite to continue uh, their dominance of the big 10 the buckeyes hit the road they're going to Nebraska, which for me has always been an intriguing game. Now, Nebraska, they just don't win. Uh, they, 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 they get close. Uh, they lost to Purdue. We liked them against Purdue. They, they did not get that, get that done. And here we are, the Buckeyes, essentially a two-touchdown favorite. I would never personally play 15, uh, the number 15. I, I would always buy that to 14. And if I can, I'd buy it to 13. Uh, particularly in the NFL. Those are key numbers for me, but 15 is not a number that, that I would take. Um, the Buckeyes, 15-point favorite, West Coast capper. How are you feeling about them going to Nebraska? I feel the same way. I, I think Nebraska is a, a little bit uh, snake-bitten. Uh, they got a good young coach I thought when, he, when they hired him that he was going to do a good job. And in a weird way, I think he's doing okay. He's, you know, If he can hang in there for a couple more years and – uh, build that program. I think he'll be just fine. But um, 
I have to tell you that it's that time of the year in football, NFL and college, where coaches catch up. And that's what we're starting to see with the, the different spreads now. And, and it's very interesting for me. So I, don't, I do not like that line either, 14 and a half. So I would, I would probably have uh, either pass on the game or just uh, take Nebraska to cover the, the, the points. Um, so in Ohio State, you know, kind of struggled a little bit, a little sluggish uh, last week. So, But Penn State, the coach at Penn State, always, as you said, we probably should have took that into account last week, um, always does a good job of uh, playing against Ohio State. So, you know, I have Nebraska possibly to cover that spread, but maybe pass on the game. Nebraska, as you mentioned, I mean, when you look at their schedule, I mean, good night. They've, they played Oklahoma this year. Now they're playing Ohio State. They already played Michigan. So they've played three top ten teams. Um, and as you said, they're hanging in. You know, I don't think it's that would be unfair. That would be an unreasonable expectation for Nebraska to go in and, and win those games right now. They simply uh, they don't have the talent or the resources to, to compete at that level. Um, you know, they've hurt themselves by losing week one to Illinois. Uh, and, and some other spots like that, or having a chance to beat a Purdue who you, who you could beat and not getting it done. So um, I don't I don't think they're getting judged on on whether or not they're going to beat Ohio State. Um, I, I I like uh, the number more at, at fourteen or thirteen than I would at, at fifteen. Um, but uh, interesting comment from Ryan Day after the Penn State game is they they don't have anything to prove uh, the Buckeyes from a covering spread standpoint the rest of this season. The rest of their season is about winning. If they can win at Nebraska, if they can beat Purdue at home, if they can beat Michigan State at home, if they can go up to Michigan and win and then win the Big Ten championship game, it's not going to matter if they win all, all those games by a touchdown. Right. What a schedule they have coming down the stretch. Right, so they, they've involved, they've uh, invested everything that they have in, into this stretch run here, and you know if there was a chance to make money on the Buckeyes in that mid-season where they were crushing some teams, but right now it's a survive and advance mentality, and you're going to see some more conservative play from them. I think in some of these games, if they go to Nebraska and it's windy and rainy and all these other things, uh, they'll Coach Day will be happy to get out of there with a win. Um, it's 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 not going to matter whether you know they cover the spread or or not. So. Um, you know, proceed with caution with playing the Buckeyes. Michigan State, huge win. Michigan was leading the game 30-14, to 14, and Michigan State had a fourth and four. They ran a seam route, kind of a, a smash concept to, to one of their best receivers, made the catch down by the goal line, and Michigan State goes on to win the game um, at home against Michigan. And now they turn around, and they have to go to Purdue. They're a three-point favorite definition of a trap game or a letdown game. Is this a game that, you know, Purdue is going to beat Michigan State or is Michigan State going to, to, to keep on rolling with their running back? Uh, Michigan State's going to keep on rolling. And, um, you know, they, they avoided that game last week um, where they're having an incredible season, Michigan State, and they avoided uh, getting beat last week. But, you know, what a game for Purdue. Uh, Michigan to lose. I mean, that they basically lost the game and uh, kind of difficult to watch if you're watching the game, but Michigan state, you know, fights back. They got the runner that, you know, he just ate up yards uh, play after play. And I looked them to go into Purdue, which is the, the, the sneaky team in the, in the big 10 that seems to give everybody problems year after year uh, on their schedule. And um, 
I think they'll take care of that. This is a tough one for me. I could see it going e- either way, but so far, uh, Michigan State's passed every test. Um, you know, they've done what they've needed to do. I've been impressed by by, by their talent, particularly their running back. Uh, they have a, a good player in their defensive front. They struggle in their back end. Michigan was throwing the ball all over the field against these guys. If Michigan State thinks for a second that they're going to go in to Columbus in a couple weeks and stop Ohio State's passing attack, I mean, that game could get ugly when Michigan State plays Ohio State. If, when I saw Michigan throwing the ball all over the field on Michigan State and then thinking about Ohio State's offensive line protecting C.J. Stroud with um, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jeremy Ruckert, I don't see any way, now we're getting ahead of ourselves here, that Michigan State could contain um, Ohio State's offense. But could they beat Purdue? Uh, yes, I think they can. I don't think it's an infinity lock. I think it's a 10-unit play, probably on the money line or maybe for them to cover. But uh, wouldn't be surprised at all if, if Purdue wins the game either. So uh, this is not a strong play for me personally. Yeah, I, Michigan- I, like the, I actually like the game. I think, I think Michigan State's uh, going to control the ball, and I think that's going to be their key for the remainder of the season that they're going to – you know, they're just going to rely on uh, controlling tempo and – uh, their running game, and, and you know they won't get into a uh, they won't get into a big uh, passing event uh, spectacle against any team going down the uh, going down the stretch here. Right. Um, Michigan's at home. Michigan is a uh, a twenty point favorite uh, against Indiana. Indiana has been able to play with Michigan in some of these games. Uh, they're kind of got the the factor of um, Penn State, Ohio State, where for whatever reason, Indiana is able to play um, decent football when they see Michigan. Is it, can Indiana cover, or is, it, is Michigan going to turn around and make a statement, or is this a pass? No, I think Indiana can cover. I think they can hang in there, and I, and I think Michigan's uh, – uh, if, if, if Indiana is able to cover and keep it close – then Michigan's really facing some hurdles uh, again towards the end of the season here. Um, that will that'll be kind of a telltale uh, sign of the direction Michigan's going. Boy, that was a that was a tough loss. I'll be interested to see how they bounce back uh, this week. It's a, a lot of points, and as we've mentioned, Michigan does not have a lot of success covering in the Big Ten. You know, I think they're two and two and nine their last eleven Big Ten games covering the spread. So it's a lot of points to give to Indiana. And um, I'm, I'm not. I'd probably lean Indiana with with uh, three touchdowns, because yeah. um, just just what you said. You know, if if um, definitely a letdown, even coming off a loss, uh, it's a huge emotional game to to have to deal with and turn around. And Indiana at this point playing with nothing to lose, uh, which which is scary. Uh, their quarterback is is the question. You know, they're using a true freshman quarterback. I think at this point. So I think um, they are. Yep. Interesting game here that kind of no one's talking about. Wake Forest is undefeated. Uh, Wake Forest goes on the road, and they're a three-point, two-and-a-half-point underdog at North Carolina with the the great quarterback and kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team in North Carolina. So Wake Forest is undefeated. This is interesting to me. I thought maybe I brought them good mojo this summer. I I spent a weekend in um, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which was amazing. One of my favorite parts of the country. I had not been to to Wake Forest, but – I went to their stadium, their football stadium. I took pictures, um, you know, and it, it had a good vibe to it. And here they are, a few months later, they're undefeated 
in the ACC. Is that going to continue? Vegas has them as an underdog, even though they're undefeated. They're playing a team that I want to say is five and four in North Carolina. Yeah, a, a lot of uh, I think they might uh, go ahead and cover that. Interesting uh, that a lot of a lot of people pick, I believe, when when they're playing against North Carolina. And I think I've been trapped into this as well is because the coach. So I think I think they're more betting uh, that the coach will take care of uh, things on that on his end rather than the team. So, uh, you know, he's very, very uh, legendary veteran coach has done a great job in his career. And so, you know, I, I think Wake Forest, you know, I always bet streaks, man. When someone's got it going, man, don't bet against them. Right. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I haven't watched either of these teams enough to, to formulate a, a big opinion. I'd probably just lean on the over in this game. I mean, Wake Forest the other day was having a hard time stopping Army from scoring. Um, you know, North, North Carolina can score a little bit. So definitely an interesting game, and I'll be interested to see what happened. I think the fact that, as you said, maybe Vegas is thinking they got the great coach at North Carolina, uh, this could be the upset spot. But I could also see a situation where Wake Forest goes in and handles business. So right. uh, not overly excited. Oregon on the road is at Washington. Washington got crushed early on in the season by Michigan, kind of left a uh, lasting image in my head. But Oregon's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Oregon's a team that, as, as you like to talk about, they don't really beat themselves. They had the fluke loss at Stanford. That's, Stanford is now three and six or something. So a terrible loss that that's, could come back to haunt Oregon, trying to get in the, the big or get in the, the big show, the college football playoff with, with the bad loss. Uh, the, the, the committee has not been kind to teams with, with the ugly loss. And uh, even though it was only by – one touchdown in overtime, tough look losing to a three and six Stanford that can't beat anybody. So um, is Oregon going to go on the road and, and win this game? Or do you think Washington's got a chance to knock them off? I, I like the six and a half. So I, I like the fact that it's six and a half there. Uh, they can win uh, by touchdown. And so I would take that. one. I like I, Oregon. Yeah, I would agree. I like Oregon. Um, I don't really like six and a half. I like six a lot better personally. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't cost uh, but a couple dollars to to buy that to to six if if you have the ability to do that, which most of the apps are going to let you do that these days. So I I just like six better than six and a half personally. Yeah. But yeah, I think Oregon's better than Washington, and I think they're going to continue to show that they're not a perfect team, but they're a veteran team and they, they they know how to win. So if you if you were able to knock out that that Stanford loss, you're looking at an undefeated team in the Pac-12, which. Um, Oregon's schedule the rest of the way. I, I, I'm not sure they play a ranked team the rest of the, the rest of the way. So uh, they they very well could finish the season 11 and one or 12 and one as the Pac-12 champion, and yep. maybe arguing with Ohio State. Of, well, we beat you um, at your place, so shouldn't we have your spot in, exactly. in the big dance? I'm just not sure with the nature of the rest of their schedule how valid that argument's going to be, even though it is a head to head, your thoughts on that. Well, I don't, I don't, I think they will finish uh, uh, and win the rest of those PAC 12 games. And so it will be interesting uh, what the committee does, but I think we're going to find out more today as the first, as where everyone stands as the first legit uh, rankings come out today. Right. Um, I think that's it for college football. Do we have one other that you wanted to talk about? 
You know, I, I've, I've looked at a m- many games here uh, this week, and uh, the one that the one that's got me concerned, and there's some, you know, there's some games that almost are just weird. Um, Clemson minus four only at, at Louisville. You know, that's an interesting game. Uh, Cincinnati minus 22 and a half against Tulsa. Uh, there's just some weird games that I'm, I'm probably just going to stay away from. I like the games we've picked. Um, looks Your like thoughts that- on um, the big SEC matchup between, I want to say it's uh, Auburn and Texas A&M. Uh, Texas yeah, A&M's yeah. a four-point favorite. Yeah, I have that one. I have that one um, circled. Um, uh, I like Auburn in that game. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I think that, that Auburn is really a good football team, and they have an incredible schedule, like all the teams in that league. And but beating Texan, uh, Texas A and M at Texas A and M is going to be a difficult task. But I think Auburn will cover that those points, and I, I think it'll be a three point game. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Auburn's a nice play there, um, but I also I, I think that Texas A and M is is probably the team that's that's going to survive. But this one's going to be tight for sure. So I might tease it. You know, we did a teaser last week that we hit where we teased um, the Saints. We got the Saints all the way to plus ten. Uh, they went straight up, and we got Pittsburgh all the way to plus ten or plus eleven. Both those teams won straight up as dogs. And uh, so, yeah, I, I could see teasing Auburn up to like 10, 11 points. I think they're able to, with their defense, keep this game in striking distance the, the yeah. entire contest. So talking NFL, big AFC North matchup, the Cincinnati Bengals are a three-point favorite. Uh, the Bengals lost to the Jets in a terrible loss, a game that they, that they controlled for a vast majority of the game. But looking back, the Bengals had three road games in a row. And um, they were just a, a few plays away from going three and zero and dominating all three of those road games. They come back; they're a three-point favorite at home against the Browns. Vegas is basically telling you that they think these teams are even at this point in the season. With a three-point home spread, generally means it's, it's a pick'em game in a in a neutral site. So, um, thoughts on the Bengals and the Browns? Uh, great question. You know, uh, Vegas is right at this time of the season; they are even. And with everything that's going on with uh, the Browns, uh, with quarterback, is he healthy? Is he not healthy? The other guy going to play, you know? And and then now they're you know on the, all the uh, channels talking about trying to trade o- Odell uh, Beckham Jr., uh, which is something we've talked about in the past. I don't think there's a lot of controversy there, but I will say that uh, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, gave they lost that game rather than uh, winning it. You know, they just absolutely lost that game by the three turnovers I believe they had in that game. So I like the Bengals at home. They're tough to beat at home in the jungle. And I, I like the Bengals uh, to uh, cover the three. Yeah, I, I disagree with Vegas. I think the Bengals are better than the Browns. Um, yeah. I, I think that, you know, the Browns have been overvalued by, by, by Vegas all year. Uh, and they have not lived up to their expectation. The only game that they, they kind of did that was the Thursday night game against um, whoever they played on Thursday night a couple weeks ago. I can't even remember. We gave it away as an infinity low. The Denver Broncos, uh, who's bad. The Broncos are bad. And we took them to cover against Washington, which they did. But uh, that was about the only game that the Browns really flexed. But other than that, you know, you you got them played played well against the Chiefs week one, and turns out the Chiefs aren't good. Um, So – I don't think the Browns are, are, are a great football team. And I think the Bengals, 
you know, it was an interesting game because they played the New York Jets and they have an unknown quarterback and he comes out slinging the ball all over the field with confidence, um, which is not something that they would have been prepared for. So that that's always a strange game when you're playing an unknown quarterback. Uh, whereas what the Browns do well is run the ball. That does not bother the Bengals. The Bengals are built to stop the Browns, actually. And I think the Bengals are going to win this one, possibly going away. This is a strong play, maybe a lock of the month that the Bengals beat the Browns on the money line uh, this Sunday in Cincinnati. Yeah, I I think there's a real possibility that the Bengals, you know, win that game um, double digits. Uh, Agree, agree. Um, The Steelers, they're a six and a half point favorite against the Chicago Bears. uh, the Steelers back, you know, they, they go into the to Cleveland and win 15-10. Are they back or are they ready to take the, take the step forward and, and cover the spread against the Bears? No, the, the Steelers aren't back, but Tomlin is. He's got a winning record right now again. What is he, 5-4? and four? What is it? I don't know, but uh, the guy just gets it done every year. Uh, don't ask me how. They're beat up. Uh, Big Ben is a shadow of what he used to be, but they keep finding solutions to win. And I do believe that they'll win by a touchdown in that game. Yeah, interesting spread. You know, Vegas is not they're they're not gonna uh, give give the Bears more than a touchdown. Right. You know, I don't I don't think however hard it gets bet, they're gonna keep this one right around a touchdown, um, just because they know the Steelers right now they they, they can beat you, but they're not gonna beat you by much. Uh, right. What the what the Bears do well for me kind of fits into the Steelers and you know what they what they do uh, what I'm trying to say is I think it's a decent matchup for the Bears of um, you know kind of playing a slowdown football game where it's really physical and it's one score uh, I, I'll take the points here with the Bears um, plus seven Steelers will probably win by a field goal Steelers have uh, kicker issues right now they you know they, their kicker got hurt but I, I got the Steelers winning by a field goal and probably a game that, that the Steelers always feel comfortable, but I don't think they're beating any solid NFL team by more than a touchdown right now. Yeah, that's interesting. You say about the field goal and the kicker, it, you know, he just went for two every time. And then uh, I'm sure he'll just go on fourth down, uh, go for it every time. He just, the guy just, he, he's, he just goes for it. I, lo- I love Tomlin. I love his attitude. I saw him again this morning watching the different channels. Man, the, the guy's just a rugged, rugged dude, and he gets it done every year. The Chiefs. Um, it was my interpretation watching Monday Night Football last night and throughout the year with the Chiefs is the Chiefs just aren't very good. Um, they're, they're just, there's something wrong with their team this year. They got the win last night. They're hosting the Green Bay Packers, who can't lose right now, the red-hot Green Bay Packers. It's a pick game. Um, so all that being said, the chiefs are talented. The chiefs are talented. That's why it's hard to, to say that, you know, they're going to flat out lose to the Packers. It's a, it's a tough game. Um, so how do you see this one going? Well, you know, it started at, it opened at two and a half for the uh, minus two and a half for Kansas city. Now it's at minus one. And, and again, the green Bay's uh, streak in a bit, um, or more than a bit, and I, I can't bet against uh, Green Bay the way that the uh, Kansas City Chiefs are playing right now. And, and again, I hate to keep bringing this up, but 
Uh, football's the sport where everybody figures you out by midfield, by mid uh, season. And, um, and it appears to me there's a lot of people watching videos of Kansas City. And I don't think uh, the quarterback is Kansas City quarterback is completely healthy yet um, with his toe that he had operated on. He looks uh, unhappy. Yeah, he looks a little something's up. And so, um, you know, I have to take Green Bay in that game. And if, if it's going to be a pick em game, I mean, I'm taking, uh, you know, the Rodgers and, and the Green Bay Packers that are streaking right now against the team that's, uh, you know, looks a little sluggish and, and struggling. I so, can't tell. It, it's hard for yeah. me with the Chiefs because last night with the Chiefs, they start out the game walking right down the field, throwing a terrible interception into the end zone. And then in the second half, they're walking right down the field. They hit Kelsey for a first down, and he drops the football and fumbles. So in, well, both, they, of those, in both of those instances, if they're able to finish off the drives, I think the, the Giants game looks completely different. We gave away the under, but for whatever reason, with those turnovers into the game, it looked to me like the Giants and the Chiefs are about on the same level right now. Yeah, it did. You know, and, and interesting, all the experts that, you know, the so-called experts that you And by see, the you way, know, you gave away the Giants last week on the podcast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but everyone on, on TV, you know, even this morning talking about the Chiefs um, saying that all the teams have the same scheme against them where they're taking away anything uh, over a certain yardage and making them, you know, dink and duck and play, you know, a little short passing game. And that's not really what they're comfortable doing or what they really want to do. So it, it appears to me that uh, they've, they've been figured out a little bit, you know, and uh, so we'll see what happens. Before we get into our Breeders' Cup breakdown with the coach and um, the fantastic Caitlin Free breaking down the San Diego Del Mar 2021 Breeders' Cup action, uh, anything else uh, from our West Coast capper game you're looking at on the weekend? No, just enjoying watching the World Series. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a Houston Astros fan. I have a lot of family in, in Houston, so uh, I kind of root for them a little bit. And um, also the soccer continues, and now NBA has started. And, uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in my element. Really appreciate being with you today. Patreon.com forward slash Menace 2 Picks. Make sure you get – Get on our site to, to get all of our picks. It's cheap, and we had a tremendous month. We're hoping to keep it up. West Coast Capper, we appreciate you. Thank you, thank you. And when we get back, we'll break down the Breeders' Cup. All right, for this next segment, we are going to break down the Breeders' Cup. Um, we're live here with our lead handicapper for our horse racing faction, the coach, uh, at M2 underscore coach on Twitter. We're also joined by one of our favorites, the queen, in the sport of Kings at Caitlin free Caitlin free on Twitter. And we are going to break down all of the main races at Del Mar this weekend for the breeders cup. First of all, we appreciate having both of you guys on the show. How's everybody feeling tonight? Happy to be here. Big week. Happy to be here as well. This caps off a big week. I'm super excited to get this started. Been looking forward to this all year. As soon as, Early PEPs came out. I've been diving in, and I'm ready to go, ready to talk about this. Absolutely. So have you guys actually – have you been to San Diego and Del Mar? I have. I've never been to – I've never been to Del Mar, but it's definitely uh, – it's it's one that I have to get to. I've been to been to San Diego, but mostly stayed south. I know it's a little north of the city, but uh, just, I mean, got to get there. Yeah, definitely a bucket list for um, – for horse racing fans, for sure. So we'll start out because there's a lot to break down here for the weekend as uh, these races are going to be fantastic. 
Uh, if you know anything about Del Mar, crazy things happen on these courses. Um, the turf course at Del Mar, you just see some outstanding races. You're going to be looking at some photo finishes all weekend long. Hopefully we're on the right side and we get you ready for that. The goal is to enjoy the weekend, but also um, increase your increase your bankroll and have success uh, making some money as well. So we'll start with the juvenile turf sprint. Uh, five to two on the morning line, Averly Jane, I believe, for Wesley Ward. Coach, we'll start you out as we go through these races. If you could tell us if it's a it's a a, a race you're going to bet, are you going to pass, or are you going to single, or are you going to spread? You know, you can kind of go about this wherever you want because I know, Coach, your analysis are um, targeted for the the multi race exotic wagers like pick four, pick five, pick six. So we'll start here with Averly Jane, the juvenile turf sprint. Is this a um, uh, a race you're going to single or you're going to spread? What are you going to do? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, just in general, she is, she's, uh, not done anything wrong, uh, four for four and she deserves to be the favorite. That said, this, I, it's, it's a spread for me. There's too many other quality, uh, fillies in here. So I'm going to be spreading out. All right, Caitlin. Yeah, I think she's definitely a worthy favorite. And I feel like this would be a field that I would also probably spread out. Um, aside from Averly Jane, I definitely want to include the likes of One Timer. He really likes the California Racing Services, has been really impressive. So I would definitely use him in a few of the Euros in this race. But um, I think the U.S. has a really big shot in this first turf race. So talk to you real quick. Uh, on this race, is so is Averly Jane a female horse running against the males? Yes, this field um, is open to both and females, all two years old, no Lasix, of course, the whole Breeders' Cup is Lasix free. Um, there have been many fillies that have ran in this race. Um, this is the fourth running, so we've only had four runnings of it, but they've run pretty well. They've hit the board, run second and third, but they've never won. But I think she um, is probably the best, along with Kamari that ran it a few years ago. Kamari had an absolutely terrible trip in that race and still finished fourth, but I like how Wesley Ward has her. Her last win at Keeneland was really, really impressive. So I think she's got a big shot in here. Yeah, I've watched the Keeneland race, and uh, she didn't need to do much in that race. So she should be fully cranked up here. Personally, uh, from what I saw just on the eye test, Averly Jane is going to be tough to beat here, and 5-2 to two would be a nice price. If I'm playing this race, um, this is just a win play, maybe a win place play for me, for Wesley Ward, having a lot of success in these in these races historically. Uh, so moving on to the next one, the juvenile Phillies race. We have a small field. Echo Zulu, coach, I believe, is uh, for Steve Asmussen, four to five on the morning line. Are you a fan of Echo Zulu? Well, I, I am a fan of her, but I'm a fan of another one in here even more, and that's the five Juju's map. Uh, ran a huge one last out, and I think she is prime sitting on go for it to start the weekend off right for Cox. Uh, she She looks special. Caitlin Brad Cox Barn is impressive. Do you agree with the coach here, or do you like uh, the Asmussen Philly at four to five? I prefer Echo Zulu. She has done nothing wrong. She's been up against it. She's the only horse in this field to crack ninety buyers. Granted, Juju's map is not too far behind her, and I really like Juju's map too. I think these are going to be two really big fillies. They're going to come to their own at three and could potentially be untappable Malathot type of horses. I think they're special, and I think Hidden Connection has a big. Big future ahead of her as well. Rayleigh Gutierrez gets his first Breeders Cup mount, but in the end, I think Atazulu is going to be nearly impossible to beat in this spot. Interesting. So you, that could be a single for you, then, Caitlin. Could be. 
All right. I like to see that. Um, so moving right along here, the juvenile Phillies turf. This race to me looked indecipherable. White pizza, pizza Bianca, five to one on the morning line. Um, I'm not sure what to do with this race. Traditionally, I like to spread and hit the all button here, which, you know, always means for me that it's going to be the favorite somehow is going to win this race. But um, so where, where are we at? Caitlin, you start, uh, with this one first, juvenile Phillies turf. I think pizza Bianca is a terrible morning line favorite. Um, and quite frankly, she was never on my radar in this race anyway. So I, I think this is definitely a spread race. I really like what California Angel did at Keeneland last out. This Philly ships really well, and I feel, feel like she wants to go longer. Her trainer didn't have any problem with the 14 post, so I'm definitely going to use her. Consumer spending. I've heard a lot of great things about Hottie for Chad Brown. He is very high on her, so I'll be using her and Koala Princess. And I may throw in a couple of um, Euros just in case. Mizen Seam is one I was kind of curious about. But this is definitely a spread for me, and this is a favorite I'm going to fade. Yeah, Coach, uh, one of one of our, our cappers that, that we like a lot, Jeff Siegel, he likes to talk about a, um, or call these races a, a kind of a grass grab bag. Is this what you're seeing? Absolutely. Yeah, that's this. Um, I, I agree uh, 100% with Caitlin, actually, on, on the 14 California Angel. I was super impressed with what we saw with her in, in the last one. And uh, I think we'll, we'll probably get a, a nice price uh, to possibly uh, play a win, win in place, maybe even depending on what it is, she might be every bit of that eight to one morning line. So might even get an across the board play on that one. But as far as for playing the rolling, we're, we're going to spread out there for sure. Right. And, you know, if you follow our picks, I mean, just our opinion of horse racing, if you're a serious better, there's races every day. I shouldn't say every day, but most days there's races that are beatable. And then there's some races that Basically, they're designed for you to lose. And if you find a good angle and, you know, hopefully we give some ideas on, on, where, on where to go and you make a move that, that fits your budget, um, you know, best of luck with that. But, but at times there, there are races that are really challenging. This for me looks like one of those. And um, hopefully we give some ideas as to where to go and have some success. But again, for me, I'm spreading out here and hoping to survive in a rolling exotic. Uh, Jack Christopher is the favorite drew the rail nine to five on the morning line in the juvenile um, breeders cup race. So Caitlin, you can start out with, with Jack Christopher here. Is this um, a bona fide favorite? Is it going to stay at nine to five? I think the rail will scare a few people. Um, I think he is an awesome favorite. Um, Whether, you know, he withstands the test of time and develops into a true Kentucky Derby favorite, or if he's going to end up being a sprinter, I'm not sure. But he's one of the best two-year-olds I've seen in the past two years. I don't think the rail draw is going to matter, and I don't think the extra distance is really going to matter against this field. Um, Corniche is one I'm going to completely drop out of here. I think out of the two Baffert runners, I like Barasa a little bit more. I think he is really primed in this spot. And another horse that I just wanted to touch on that we're going to get at a nice price um, is Jasper Great. If Jack Christopher kind of doesn't run his race, I think Jasper Great is going to. I really like the Japanese contingent this year. This horse is by Arrogate from a great family. Um, he actually broke his maiden in an allowance race going a mile and an eighth and one by ten geared down. The Japanese surface over there is a bit deeper. It's a bit sandy. So the time wasn't great. But this was also his debut. And I 
I think there's a lot to think about with this horse. And Hayuki Mori ships really, really well. So I think you're going to get a good price with him. And he's one that I potentially um, think could be an upset chance. Nice, nice. So, uh, Coach, uh, what, thoughts on the, on the juvenile race here? Do you like do you like um, Jack Christopher there at the rail at 9 to 5? Well, first of all, I want to say this is why we love having Caitlin on to get that uh, – that the information on the the ones coming from because that's her specialty talking about the ones coming from overseas so good info on jasper there uh, on the two i i have to dig in a little bit more and learn a little bit but uh jack christopher was all super impressive um i I believe he has the the highest if i'm not mistaken he has the highest buyer for a two-year-old in like the last three years or something in in the last race uh in the champagne so um and if that was a freak performance or if he's going to uh, back it up, uh, I'm not scared of the one hole. I think he's going to uh, he's gonna be real tough to beat. Uh, Corniche has looked impressive on the outside. Um, this, this is an interesting uh, year with, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about the, the drama with the Baffert barn. Uh, he's got three in here. Uh, Corniche was one that was a, a high-priced purchase, and uh, he hasn't disappointed at any point this year. So and he, he, he draws outside. He's going to blast out to the lead. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But, yeah, I'm not afraid of Jack Christopher here at all. That might be my single on Friday. Yeah, Jack Christopher, last time I, when I watched <laughs> watched uh, his race, I, w- I was not on Jack Christopher in the race. And, you know, right there they, they made the turn. I was thinking, okay, I just <laughs> lost because he took off. And uh, it was all over in a pretty impressive fashion. So, juvenile turf, and um, if you're unsure about the juvenile, say you're new to, to new to horse racing. So these are all two year old horses, um, and some of them, you know, particularly in the dirt races, will be eligible for the Kentucky Derby uh, later on if they do follow that trail. The juvenile turf, though, uh, Dubawi Legend is four to one on the morning line. These turf races can be tough. Uh, Coach, you can go ahead and start here. Is this a pass race for you, or is it a spread, or do you like a price? Well, yeah, this would be for me. Uh, I, I'm definitely going to be spreading out, and I'll be interested to hear what Caitlin has to say because generally in the turf races, I always lean towards the uh, Europeans first, and I just don't I haven't dug in enough, but uh, I'm assuming the winner of this race comes from overseas, so I'll defer on this one. I think um, I'm going to look to the Godolphin contingent in this race. Modern Games and Albar with Modern Games being my top horse. Um, if you have a look at Charlie Appleby's record in bringing horses over to North America, it speaks for itself. These horses don't come over here unless they are cashing a check, and they almost always do. Modern Games has impressed me the most out of some of the juveniles over in Europe, barring a native trail and a couple of other horses, which are owned by Godolphin as well and trained by Charlie Appleby. So these may be kind of his second string B string horses, but they're good enough to beat our horses. The only horse I think in here for the United States that has a chance is tis the bomb. And I didn't really like his draw. So Godolphin runners for me. Okay. Sounds good. This, uh, it's going to get us going into some, uh, some horses that, you know, you've heard a little bit more about now because uh, we're getting into some older horses here. Uh, the next race is, you know, a horse that, is generally everybody's single and it's impossible to make money betting Gamine and the uh, Philly and mayor sprint three to five on the morning line. Gamine for me always goes off at one to five opens at three to five goes off at one to five coach. Are we singling Gamine? Um, 
what I've been most impressed by her is she's had excuses when I watch the race visually and also in almost every race yet she still wins. Yeah. She, she tends to either start slowly bobble, get herself into some traffic and she still always ends up on top. And, uh, there's a few in here that she have run behind her before. I don't see anybody that's going to suddenly step up and, uh, go ahead of her today. So yeah, she's a, a strong single for me. Caitlin, are you in agreement with that? Is it going to take, um, you know, some sort of mistake or accident in order to, to stop Gamine in, in this spot in the Breeders' Cup? I think I might single her on a couple tickets, but another, a couple other tickets, I'm going to single Bella Sophia. I think Gamine has taken a step back a little bit this year. This being said, her step back is still good enough to absolutely win this race. But Bella Sophia is right there this year with her on buyers and keeps getting better, keeps getting better. This filly has never left New York, so that's a little bit of a pause for me, but she does absolutely great on a fast dirt track, and she's going to get that here, and she's going to get her best distance. So I think if anybody's ever going to step up and beat Gamine, it's going to be Bella Sophia. So I like her a lot in this spot. Definitely a two-horse race, but I will be using both of them in different places. I like it, and just like anything else on a, on a big NFL Sunday or a big race day, there's always surprises, um, and – for me, you know, I'll probably stick with Gamine, but, you know, nothing on, on any Breeders' Cup day could surprise me. Um, you know, things just tend to tend to happen, and almost like Murphy's Law, whatever can happen will happen. Turf Sprint is the next race. Golden Pal, 7-2 to two on the morning line. Um, Caitlin, are you a fan of, of Golden Pal? This, is, this seems like a nice price for a pretty good horse. I am a fan of Golden Powell, and this is a pretty nice price if you're a fan of his. I am a fan of his. I think he definitely has a shot, but there's a couple others I like in here a little bit better that are at better prices. I'm really, really high on Kamari. She's been off for a little while, but she does best coming off the bench. Um, I think she's the type of horse that runs great on dirt and turf. I think she could potentially give Gamina a run for her money in the um, Philly and Mare Sprint, but I prefer her in this field on the turf. Um, I think she gets better numbers on the turf, so... I think she's got a shot, and my favorite active horse, Fast Boat, is in here. I think um, he's going to run really well off of his last performance. I think he's going to get better speed. He's going to get better pace to close in here. And I think this five furlongs with a turn is his best distance. So I like him, but I like Golden Pal, too. Um, this will be a race where I'll spread a little bit, but I definitely like those three. And also maybe we'll throw in Gear Jockey. Um, yeah, absolutely. These races have been uh, electric. And coach, I'll let you take over from here. Last, I think it might have been last out or earlier this summer, you gave away fast boat on top at Saratoga at, at the price of ten to one on our uh, Patreon ticket. So, so coach, Golden Pal, great horse, but as you mentioned and Caitlin mentioned, this is a tremendous race with with lots of class. Well, I'll tell you if if uh, you're new to racing and you you uh, just kind of understanding what's going on there, just like in in track, if you go to a track and field there are different events and so these uh the short distance is specifically on the turf these races generally end up uh the entire field ends within uh you know two or three to to five lengths of each other uh they're super exciting and you can make a case for several in here and these are the the best of the best uh in the world at this distance um, I, I love everything that Caitlin said about fast boat. I hope I can get every bit of 12 and 12 to one on him. Um, uh, he's, he's definitely on the radar. 
but there's a couple other ones in here that we got to pay attention to as well. So that, for me, I'll be spreading out and um, enjoying the show on this one. Um, not to say by any stretch of the imagination that Golden Powell can't win, uh, but there are a few others in here that I have a, uh, I hold in very high regard, um, including the other ward that's interesting in here uh, that, that no one might mention is Arrest Me Red, who's coming mm-hmm. off of uh, some interesting performances. So uh, these are my favorite type of races to watch, but very rarely do I just sim- land on one and stay there. So uh, we'll probably use a couple. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Breeders' Cup weekend, best of the best, best trainers, best jockeys, best connections. And, you know, the prices are there. If you can hit on one of these, I mean, if you can get, like you mentioned, fast boat as an across the board play, um, I mean, you can get paid huge on just a single race like this with a tremendous horse um, just at, at the price because there's so much class in the field. Dirt miles next, guys. Life is good. Four to five on the morning line. Caitlin, is it, are we going to get four to five on Life is Good? Is this a single um, or a beatable favorite? I think you'll probably get four to five on Life is Good. I'm leaning toward him being a single, but there's one horse in here that scares me, and it's Ginobili. He's done really, really well this year. Really good horse around that seven furlong to mile distance. He likes Del Mar. So he is one that would probably be the biggest scare to life is good. It depends on how much you like life is good, but I think it's basically a two horse race. I really liked silver state in the beginning. He's had a great year. Won the Met mile as has been great at a mile, but I really hate the rail draw for him. Coach, Agree with everything that Caitlin said. Um, I actually will give preference to Ginobili here. Um, he was, he's been ultra impressive. And uh, life is good shipping out west. We'll see. I know he he started off out there. If you remember, he was in the Baffert barn, and uh, during the the weird times that they had, uh, he's gone to Pletcher, and he's been impressive on the East Coast. He's got to come back out and prove it. But uh, Ginobili's, as Caitlin mentioned, there she he uh, he likes Delmar. He's at home, and uh, so it's kind of it's kind of like a home game for him a little bit. Yeah, some of these matchups are, are going to be electric to watch. And so another, another great race here where you got two um, just tremendous, tremendous horses battling. The Philly and Mare Turf, uh, we can talk about. Warlike Goddess has been fantastic. Um, I'm a huge fan of Warlike Goddess, 7-2 to two on the morning line. It's a great price, but I'm guessing Caitlin can probably tell us that Warlike Goddess could be up against it from uh, some European invaders. I am completely fading Warlike Goddess this weekend, and this is a race where I think I'm going to have a single, and it's not her. Um, I'm going to look to the Japanese challenger Loves Only You, and let me explain why. I'm a big fan of this filly. She's won multiple grade ones over in Japan. She's been beaten twice this year, but the two times she's been defeated, she's been beaten by only three horses, and you'll recognize all of them. Sadashi, the famous white filly from Japan, very, very popular, very good. Mishrif, probable horse of the year over in Europe. And Chronogenesis, the best horse Japan has to offer. In her race where she won in Hong Kong two starts back, defeated multiple grade one winners, including a triple crown winner. So the, the form that Loves Only You has is the best form probably of any horse in this entire Breeders' Cup. 
if I get four to one on her, I'm going to be ecstatic. Um, also, like, love in here. She hasn't had a very good year by her standards, but I think dropping her back to a mile and three-eighths is best versus her going to the turf for a mile and a half. But I am going to single Love's Only You on most tickets in here. Um, the only other horses that really pre- piqued my interest were Rougier and Avdaria. So the only horses I will play in this race will be international horses. But Love's Only You is probably my best bet of the entire weekend. So, Coach, according to what Caitlin's saying here, sounds like we're, we're looking at a situation where Warlike God is 7-2 on the morning line. Might not end up being our post-time favorite. Uh, are you in agreement with, with that statement? Well, uh, we'll see. I, I mean, I think she'll she'll be well respected and well backed. Uh, she, you know, she hasn't done anything wrong here. But uh, yeah, you know, when we get these turf races, it's it generally goes in the direction of the the Euros. So I, I see these. I'm uh, really interested in in loves only you, and uh, that's actually uh, where I was looking as well. And I think that being uh, the uh, Japanese horse that I think they're going to be those those ones will tend to drift up a little bit in price so I think we're going to get every bit of four to one and if not uh you know maybe even a little bit more and uh the other one that I uh, looked at as well was love so it's a love love uh two you know two horses for us here's what I was kind of looking at but uh, those are the ones that I, and I was thinking warlike goddess probably is going to be uh, up against it today so the sprint I've been waiting for a reason to try to beat Jackie's Warrior. Six to five on the morning line. Coach, is Jackie's Warrior going to be six to five? Am I crazy for for trying to beat Jackie's Warrior over these past uh, months? Or you know, what's going on here? Do you do you like Jackie's Warrior? Is is it is um is it a single for you? Here's what I I need to uh I'm have to look into this a little bit more. Jackie's tough. Jackie's tough, but I'm pretty sure that uh, this might be a, a little bit of a cutback. And so that's going to uh, – this will be interesting to see with the whole the whole field here. Um, there might be a couple in here that are going to be uh, up-and-comers, like the, the one following C. He's been really tough. You got the uh, CZ Rocket in here who's a hard knocker. You know you're going to get his best effort. Uh, for me, I'm spreading out a little bit. You got Lexitonian at 20 to one who blows up the board when seemingly, seemingly whenever we leave him off the ticket. But if we put him on, he he runs last. So, uh, you know, this is you got special reserve in here. I think uh, is another really good one. So for me, Doctor Shivel out, out on the out uh, the the nine post. This is a tough race. I think this is a race that I would probably feel comfortable singling in. Jackie's warrior based on figures alone towers over this field. He's going to get a little bit of a weight break because he's a three-year-old, which is only going to help him. The only horse that scared me was Dr. Shivel, and he's still five ten points behind him in speed figures. And I didn't really like the draw for Dr. Shivel. I agree that following C is getting better, and I don't mind him being on the rail. But as far as some of the older horses, Lexitonian, CZ Rocket and a few of the other ones, even Frenzy Fire. I just don't think they're good enough to beat Jackie's Warrior. And the horse that I really wanted to use underneath was Flagstaff, and he scratched. So I really just like Jackie's Warrior in here, and I would be comfortable singling this horse. Right. When I look at this race, uh, as Coach mentioned, in these uh, in these sprints, 
it always seems like something crazy happens. But generally, Jackie's Warrior is not in that race. <laughs> Jackie's Warrior is dominating a, uh, you know, a smaller field. But now um, going up against uh, th- these horses that, that seem to take turns, Jackie's Warrior is the class and uh, could be a single. And for me, I- I've tried to play against, but I, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do. And I encourage you to to get onto our Patreon and take a look at Coach's cards because he's going to have the exact breakdown of, of his recommendation of, of which races to single, which ones to spread out. And um, those are going to be definitely helpful for you. Again, the mile space blues three to one at the morning line. Um, Caitlin, you can go first. Do you like space blues at three to one? I don't mind space blues, but I don't like him either. I know I said the Charlie Applebee's run and ship well, and they do. And space blues will run well, but there's just others I prefer more in here. There's a few fillies that I really like in here. Got Stormy, Mother Earth. But my top choice in here is going to be Blowout for Chad Brown. She's going to be a big price. But I like the fact that she could be lone speed in this race. She qualified for the Breeders' Cup filly and mare turf. But she's better cutting back a little bit. So besides the fact that she had an all-expenses-paid trip to the filly and mare turf, Chad wants to enter her in the mile instead. I don't mind her post-draw. I think she's still going to get a decently early lead that really... Only other horse that could hound her is smooth like straight. And because it's Del Mar, you have to throw in a horse like Mo Forza as well. That horse refuses to lose in California. So Blowout and Mo Forza are going to be my top two choices in here. Thanks, Coach. Totally in agreement. Um, As I I was looking over this one, I I noticed uh, Blowout most likely is going to be lone speed. Eight to one on the morning line. I imagine it's probably going to hold. Uh, with this is this is one where we actually uh, feel like we have a good shot here with on uh, with the American contingent. So uh, again, I think for me this is another one where we're going to need to use at least a couple. But uh, you get that eight to one, you know, that's that's a juicy price for a horse that's going to take them a long way. Latruska in the distaff. Latruska. Eight to five on the morning line. Is there any chance you get eight to five on Latruska? It's all been leading up to this moment. Um, I knew Latruska was the real deal because beat my all-time favorite horse, Monomoy Girl, fair and square. I couldn't believe my eyes. And then since then, I've been betting Latruska every single time out with the on- only one sentence you need to know, Monomoy Girl. So, uh, Latruska single for, for the coach, is she going to be six or eight to five on the morning line or on, on the closing line, or is she going to get bet down? Well, I would say, you know, that, uh, Malathot's going to take money and I, I'm a big fan of Malathot too. If I was going to use another one, I would use Malathot. Um, but she dares the devil will take money as well. Um, so there's definitely three, some class. There's some class, but, uh, I mean, you know, it's the the same thing we were mentioning before uh, with Gamine. You know, it's uh, until until, pro- until proven otherwise, she's the queen. So, Caitlin, are you a Latruska fan? I am a Latruska fan. She has run six triple digit buyers in a row and has had a fantastic year. 
I think she's the leader for horse of the year right now, in my opinion. Um, she looks tough to beat, but this is as good of a distaff as I have seen since I have been watching this race, probably since the distaff beholder won with Royal Delta, Princess of Silmar, Close Hatches. This race is that good. Latruska is no cinch, but I think she definitely is the most likely winner. If I'm going to throw in a price to hang with her, it's probably going to be Clarier. She keeps getting better. I think she'll like the mile and an eighth distance. I think it's probably her best distance. Um, she has looked phenomenal in the morning, has definitely been the buzz horse. I think a lot of people are also forgetting about She Dares the Devil. She travels really well. I'm not sure who's going to be on the lead versus her and Latruska, but I'll let you know, only one horse has beat Latruska this year, and it's She Dares the Devil. Yes, totally, totally agree with that. I'm a huge Latruska fan. It's just out of pure respect, as I mentioned. Um, but yeah, if I can get eight to five, I'm probably going to unload just as a spot play. Like, you know, like I said, it's all been waiting, leading up to this moment in the distaff, which is going to be a great race. In the turf, we have a defending champion, nine to five on the morning line. Tar- Help me with the pronunciation, Coach Tarnawa. Nine it's to about five. as good as it's gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> Nine to five on the morning line. This is a this is a, a lot of respect in a in a full field uh, for nine to five. Is this a bona fide favorite? Do you want me to go? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Caitlin. I'll defer to you on this one. Tarnawa was probably one of my biggest scores in last year's Breeders' Cup. Love this filly. Um, I think she w- repeats in this field or. Um, repeats again in this race she stacks up better than anybody in this race i thought there were better horses on the also eligible list than drew into this field i don't understand some of these horses getting drawn into this field if i'm being honest with you acclimate astronaut some of those horses just don't fit yes they've run some really big figures and they've gotten in based off of points and stuff like that but this turf field really sucks i'm sorry but it does. <laughs> and tarnawa is Heads and shoulders above this race. Um, I'm not necessarily sure I would call her a single. I might use a little bit of coverage in here because it is a full field and drew a full line of also eligibles. If I'm looking for coverage in here, I might look to um, scrolling through here. Tayona's not a bad bet. Um, probably would maybe use Yabir. I don't care for United and some of the West Coast horses, even though they will take a little bit of money. But Turnawa is definitely the best horse in this field, and I think she could bring her B effort and probably win this race. So she'll be on top for me. Coach? She certainly looks tough. Um, I, I think the other one that might be of interest in here to me would be the Ibir number 10 uh, for Appleby. He's, I uh, watched him win a big one uh, at Belmont in the last, last out. And uh, very impressive, seems to be in good form, uh, assuming that uh, they probably kept kept her stabled here and just uh, will continue on. So that one, I think, will be a- another one that I would use, but turn out what looks tough. Before we get into the classic, I mean, you guys can help me with this. You guys follow it a little bit more than I do. Uh, domestic spending, is domestic spending running this weekend or what's going on? <laughs> he's, in the, he's in the turf field. I just... Domestic spending is definitely the best hope for the United States, but I've just never been crazy about that horse. I really think our turf division is not good this year. The European contingent is way better. 
I would have loved to have seen Love in this field, although I do think the Philly and Mare Turf is a better spot for her. Take Tarnawa out. She wins this race even off a C effort. Our, the U.S. horses in the turf division are just not good to me. And I respect domestic spending. If he would win, I wouldn't necessarily be shocked. But I just I can't play him at the price he's going to be because he's going to get bet heavily. And I just don't think the backing is worth what he has shown this year. So do you do you see domestic spending being like second, like second in the in the betting? I think he'll easily be second betting, and I wouldn't even be surprised if he went off favorite over Tarnawa. If I'm being honest with you, wow, coach, thoughts on domestic spending? I I had I didn't have the field in front of me. I was just guessing that you know this would be the spot. Yeah, that's. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes off favorite as well, honestly. Um, and that it's uh, the American respect uh, of you know running some good ones here and. Uh, just running the Manhattan, but again, these these fields that you know, as Caitlin was alluding to, uh, that it, it's suspect compared to what we see, um, you know, in in the Great Britain contingent. So, I think that I'm not surprised if he goes off favored, but um, I, I it's not he's not going to be. Uh, it, it might even be one that we leave off the ticket. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to dig in a little bit more, but. Well, episode one of our podcast was our Kentucky Derby episode. Um, since then, we, you know, we've obviously, you know, had our all of our sports picks. You know, we, we went through the Triple Crown, and this is our first horse racing pods basically since Triple Crown season. But it started out with a, a great appreciation for Brad Cox. Um, we, we, liked, we liked essential quality in the Kentucky Derby, and um, – a little bit of sour grapes with the Kentucky Derby. And, you know, since then you get a little bit of redemption with essential quality winning the Belmont stakes and, you know, just, just a great year for, for essential quality and for the Brad Cox barn. So coach, I'll let you start us off with the classic essential quality, as well as the morning line favorite Nick's go. Uh, for me, uh, I'm just, I, I want to be alive in the exotics to these two horses are, are there any others that you want to add? I think it's it's Cox time. It's it's finally, you know, this is going to be the moment for Brad Cox. I'm in agreement 100% with that. Essential quality is the pick for me here. As a matter of fact, just looking at the way that this, the shape of this race, uh, obviously you got Medina Spirit. We know he's going to go. Our collector has been running in the front. Nick's go is going to go, and can he make it a mile and a quarter? It remains to be seen. Not to say I, I don't knock him at any stretch of the imagination. Hot Rod Charlie's going to go, uh, and I just think everything's setting up beautiful, beautifully for essential quality to, to mow him down the lane the way that he has that late run, mid-pack, probably sitting uh, chilly, and then as, as they go for the turn, I see the, I see the big gray uh, coming down the middle of the track. I remember we. I'm at the. I believe I was at the Reds game. It was it that was it the Haskell we were watching that uh, Hot Rod Charlie got DQ'd. Yep. Uh, Hot Rod Charlie has been an interesting horse. Uh, there's a lot of big names in this field, Caitlin. Um, so so how do you feel about the classic this year? Of course, it's just going to be the most thrilling one to watch. I think this is a great classic field, and I agree with you on essential quality. I think this race sets up good for him. I really like Hot Rod Charlie, too. I think he could sit just off the pace. 
set by Nixco. And I know Medina Spirit is going to be right there. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to make a bold statement. I think Nixco can go the mile and a quarter. But as long as Medina Spirit does not get to this lead, I'm okay with sacrificing Nixco on the lead to set up for Hot Rod Charlie or Medina Spirit. Or not uh, not Medina Spirit. Um, essential quality. I think it's between these two horses. They have by far the best speed figures aside from Nixco. Um, they're peaking at the right time. I think I give Hot Rod Charlie a little bit more of an edge here, but I do like both of them. I mean, you feel bad for for Medina Spirit because Medina Spirit's a horse, but unanimously a horse that is not uh, greatly appreciated. So um, there'll be plenty of people that, you know, are are somewhat just kind of cheering against just because of the the entire Baffert situation and and what happened with the Kentucky Derby. Um, So, Final questions that I have. So, as I said, um, I, I'm going to stick with those two Cox horses in this race. Um, Nick's go, as well as Essential Quality. Hopefully, uh, we'll be alive in our tickets, at least my personal tickets. <laughs> what are you most excited to watch, Coach? Five questions for you. Give you guys each about 30 seconds to answer. Most excited to watch uh, this weekend at the Breeders' Cup. Well, I got to be honest, that's the best, probably the best field that we've had in quite a few years for a classic. So I'll just, since we just talked about that one, I'll say the classic is uh, bill- up to the billing this year. Caitlin? I would agree the classic definitely stacks up. The best fields we've seen in quite some time in any and all Breeders' Cup races. This is a wide open running this year. There are some heavy favorites, but I think there's also some big chances. Um, I'm really excited for the turf sprint and the Philly and Mare turf. Those are two of my favorite races that usually come out with bombs on top. So I'm really excited for all the turf races and the classic. When you get the, the Breeders' Cup, you know, when, when you get it over here at uh, Keeneland or Churchill, they start early. You know, now we're on the West Coast. Coach, what time are we are we getting some post times this weekend? Yeah, we're going to be – so it's a, uh, you know, a regular West Coast racing day. So the classic will be in prime time and the, the, uh, the other ones as well. I mean, we're looking at I think anywhere between probably five – p.m. Eastern to 9, it will be when the, uh, the, the primary big races are running. Uh, second question of our five, obvious single, uh, one or two horses that you have is the most obvious single for our rolling exotic players. Gamine for me. And then Caitlin? Probably Jackie's Warrior, I would say. Okay. Yeah, those those will be two that, that are going to be short prices, and uh, yeah, I can uh, I can agree with both, and I think that you know, you've kind of talked me to Jackie's Warrior a little bit. Just looking at those other horses, I'm I'm not sure that that they have the class of Jackie. Beatable favorite coach, one or two horses that that you think uh, you know you're not a fan. Let's see, I'll have to go back in here. Come back to me on that one. I'll, oh, I got. Uh, I got Warlike Goddess we talked about a little bit, I think, is a very beatable favorite. Uh, not any disrespect to her, a lot of respect for the Mott Barn, uh, but I just think the the field is too tough coming over. Okay, Caitlin? I think most of the turf favorites, aside from Tarnawa, are very beatable. Um, not a huge fan of Space Blues. Warlike Goddess, I can see her winning this race, but I think it's unlikely, and I definitely don't like Pizza Bianca on Friday. Totally agree with that one as well. Question question four is my no clue race. You know, what, what are you looking at that you're like, 
I got to hit the all button or even it's not involved in something that, that I like in the multi exotic or the multi uh, race exotic. So this is just going to be a pass. So I'm going to go do something else. Uh, the, uh, we'll just talk about that. Uh, the one we just mentioned, the pizza Bianca uh, juvenile Phillies turf. I mean that if I, if I got it in the budget to hit the all button here, that's, that's where we're going to go on that one. <laughs> the number one, I've all, I've always given that statement, the number one way to guarantee you do not lose <laughs> is do not bet. So the do not bet race, Caitlin? I would probably agree with that, the juvenile Phillies turf, maybe even the juvenile turf sprint as well. I'm not going to even use a fraction of my bankroll on Future Stars Friday just because I've been there, done that. I've been skunked out by – Long shot prices in these juvenile races. These are two-year-olds. They do crazy stuff. They're shipping for the first time. So, you know, these are a lot of do-not-bet races for me, aside from maybe a few exotic bets. Um, I'm kind of going to stay away from those, if I'm being honest. So, <laughs> that whole card. Love, love, <laughs> the, love one. Yeah, the, to me, the best way to do that is you make yourself one or two, um, you know, a pick five or, or a pick four, whatever you want to do. And then when you're out, you're out. You know, the, the worst thing to do is that doesn't hit and then you start trying to get back in and all of a sudden you've wasted um, your bankroll that you saved up for throughout the week or throughout the month. And, and now you don't have as much um, of fruit financial freedom for the Saturday, you know, so always dangerous. Great piece of advice there. Um, my, my, my fifth question was on the classic. We've already covered it. Uh, so just give me coach who's who's winning the classic. It's it's gonna be a Brad Cox weekend here. Um, we got we got essential quality. Um, you know we we talked early. Kalen's on Echo Zulu, but I think Juju Maps gonna show up as well on Friday. I think it's gonna be a big big weekend for the Cox Barn. So yeah, um, Caitlin, are you are you seeing like you said? Are are you on Hot Rod Charlie? Just that's that's the top choice. And um, if you're gonna make a wed play. It's kind of hard to separate those two horses for me. I think they've been head and shoulders the best three-year-olds this year. And you know Ron Bauer has a special place in my heart, so that's saying something. (laughs) But (laughs) these two horses are the standouts in this race for me, aside from Nick's go. Um, Nick's go is kind of a big question mark for me. Um, So it's hard for me to separate these two. I'm going to have to dig a little bit deeper before I make a final selection when it comes to the two of those. Although I am leaning Hot Rod Charlie right now, that could change. But those are definitely my top two choices in the Classic. We appreciate you guys coming on. Best of luck to everybody. We're going to see a lot of photo finishes this weekend. Hope they're going our way. At Minus2Picks on Twitter, patreon.com forward slash Minus2Picks to get the coach's cards. Caitlin, we appreciate you coming on. Coach, as always, see you at the windows. And here we go. Michigan at the 41. What a hit! Ball's free! South Carolina deserves to have it. Cloudy just says, I'll take care of business right here. I'll come off the ball and rock you and get it right back for our offense. Second and ten for Fields. Fields the throw. Pump fake. Sacks. Fires. Touchdown, Garrett Wilson. Now Burrow going to launch downfield for Chase. Who's got it? Touchdown, LSU.
This is Menace to Picks. <laughs>